Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope that each and every one of you are having a great and wonderful and marvelous Memorial Day service here, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I pray that your pow- God's power and glory be upon your life today. And it is my prayer that God will touch you in a powerful way that you'll never, ever be the same again. And today we're going to talk about the confession of Peter. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do because you're at home or in the hospital room, but hopefully you have a Bible nearby or a Bible app, make sure you turn in Matthew chapter 16 and follow along verses 13 through 28 as we're going to be talking about the confession of Peter and how that propels us into a lifestyle of warfare today. Back during William Shakespeare's time, William Shakespeare wrote a play, marvelous play, about Julius Caesar, that great Roman general who uh, was conquering lands and even conquered Britain, and his fame and his power with each successful conquest was being solidified and growing, and it became a thing of dissension with the Senate. Now, the Senate didn't enjoy the fact that Julius Caesar was gaining so much power and prestige within the, within the nation of Rome, and so they conspired to get rid of Julius Caesar once and for all. They lured him to the Senate chambers, and during the Senate chambers, as he was expected to greet all of his friends, they all encircled him. They pulled out knives, and they all took turns stabbing him to his death. And then, after collapsing to the ground, bleeding out, all the conspirators run away. They flee. And the next scene you have, in comes Mark Antony, which is Julius Caesar's beloved general, one of his famous generals. He comes in and sees his leader lying in a pool of blood crying in a fit of rage, he kneels down, picks up his leader and said, oh, cry havoc, let's slip the dogs of war. Today, we, have our, we are in a world of warfare. And it's not with the Taliban. And it's not with forces around. But it's the forces of evil. We are in that that warfare, and Satan, that old dog of war, has far too long destroyed the church, destroyed Christians' lives, destroyed, tried to get us to fall and fail within our faith. That old dog needs to be put out to pasture, so to speak, and we need to get rid of him. And when here in the scene, Jesus is taking his disciples through the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi, was a grand city. It was built by Herod and Philip in honor of Caesar Tiberius. And it had lots of grand architecture, temples to Roman gods, giant architecture and structures and and Roman columns everywhere and houses, beautiful, gorgeous houses. It was said to be a very beautiful city. And Jesus takes them through this greatly Gentile city And perhaps that is where he's pointing at all the architecture around. 
And he asked the disciples two questions. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And then, who do you say that I am? Before we go any further, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that even on this memorial weekend that we remember those who have laid that ultimate sacrifice, that foundation for our country, so that we can be free today. And even though sometimes being stuck in our homes and restricted to go to work or businesses or get haircuts, that sometimes we don't feel like we're free, but we are free because we're the freest nation in this entire world and it was built upon the sacrifice of those gone before us, our fallen in battle. Lord, it is my prayer that none of us will fall to the wayside that, Lord, we will be remembered by you and honored by you, but, Lord, that our lives are a great honor unto you, a great giving you the glory and honor that you alone deserve. So, Lord, I pray that you touch us right now and touch this time I have with all those watching right here and right now. And may our lives be forever changed, always looking to our Savior, Jesus our Lord. For it is in the mighty name of Jesus that we do pray and declare, amen. Amen. Now, Jesus here asked those two important questions to the disciples. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? That first question. Who do the people say? Who do the people say that I am? Well, some responded, well, Jesus... Uh, you know, the disciples said, some say uh, John the Baptist. Now, if you remember, John the Baptist at this point is dead. Story is, if you don't know, remember that story, let me refresh your memory. Herod hated, the, hated John the Baptist. And John went around preaching about all the evils, but namely he preached about Herod and the evil that he was committing. See, Herod took upon himself a wife named Herodias, who was his sister-in-law. So this incestuous relationship was going on. And so John the Baptist preached and railed against it time after time after time. And finally, Herod had enough. So he arrested John and put him in prison. But he did not execute him. He kept him alive. He liked his preaching some, I don't know if it was some sickly attraction, whatever intrigued him, I don't know, but... For whatever reason, he kept them alive. And Herodias wouldn't have it. She got tired of that preaching. She got tired of that old preacher, John the Baptist. She was done with him. She wanted him dead. And she thought her husband, Herod, was weak for allowing him to live. So she conspired. Now, she knew that Herod had a lustful eye toward his niece, Herodias' daughter. So what he, she got him, her to do is she got, Herodias got her daughter to dance for Herod. And Herod promised that if she danced for him in, in a lustful way, that he would give her up to half of the kingdom. And so that's what happened. Except after she didn't ask for half the kingdom, Herodias had plotted with her daughter and said, if you dance for me after this dance, you're going to give me that one thing, and I want the head of John the Baptist. So maybe it was Herod himself asking that question, is this Jesus, John the Baptist, come back from the dead? He's got to be. 
He does all the, some of the same things. And so he posed that question. Or yet some of the disciples said, well, some then say that you're Elijah or one of the prophets. Now, here's an interesting take on all of this. Either Jesus, the people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist or the, disciple, the, the prophets come back to life somehow, rose from the dead, or are they in the spirit of John the Baptist or the prophets? Regardless of what the people thought, Jesus asked them those questions. But then he turns that question and he says, who do you say that I am? See, we are, like I said a moment ago, we are living in a lifestyle of war. There are no such things as pacifist Christians. We are not in a pacifist lifestyle. Yes, I know we need to walk in peace. We need to walk in love. We need to walk in gentleness. Yes, all of that. But I'm talking about not toward other people, but against Satan. We are in an all-out battle against Satan. We are at war with Satan and sin, death, hell, and the grave. We are at war with unseen forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I remember when I was a teenager. I'm a Kentuckian by birth, uh, proud roots from Kentucky, going all the way back to Daniel Boone as my sixth grade uncle. I'm related to his brother, George. But when I was an early teen, my family had moved to Florida. My grandparents had moved there, there years before, and so my family just followed them down there, and we moved to Tampa, Florida. So as a teenager, when I started learning how to drive and going on my own, what I would do is go down to McDill Air Force Base. Now, I couldn't go in, but back in that time, this was pre-9-11, so I could park at the visitor's gate. And what I would do is just sit, have a lunch or a snack, and I'd watch F-16s take off the runway, thundering off during the bankings and the turns when one of the F-16 wings were there. And they were fully loaded. I always noted they were fully loaded. I thought that was so cool. They had all the missiles and, and all the tanks, all that on the underbelly of the, of the aircraft. And I thought that was so neat. Our nation is always preparing for war. And yes, we're at war against terrorism. Yes, and, and also we're at war against the COVID-19 virus. But before the COVID-19 virus came along, we were at war with, a, uh, and still are in reality, a, against a very seen forces of the Taliban. In 2011, I was deployed to Afghanistan with my unit, 1-6 Field Artillery, and uh, out of Fort Knox at the time. And I was, as a field artillery battalion chaplain, I would go visit all the different cops and visit where all the different uh, gun lines are. And I went to one, and its name was an austere place called Cop Wilderness. And it really was kind of out in the, about by yourself, out in the wilderness, surrounded by mountains. And we had heard while I was there that the Taliban was on the move and some very bad dudes were coming near our camp. And we, they were going to, I don't know if they were trying to overrun us, attack us, or whatever it was, but they were coming too close. So they called in the Air Force to do a show of force. I'll never forget this. Two screaming F-18 Super Hornets screaming through the valleys and, and mountains. And, and as they went flying over us, and you could see their, their jets, and they were doing the show of force to scare off the bad guys. And it worked. See, our nation is always preparing for war. But what about you? Are you preparing in this all-out battle? Yes, there are battles we have against Satan and sin. There's battles that we will lose. 
That's probably a guarantee. We will lose. We will always slip up. We will always trip up. But we have a loving Savior who says, you know, if we repent of our sins, confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, He loves us so much. He provides a way of escape, a way out of sin so that we can live in holiness for Him. He says, who do you say that I am? I'm asking you, everybody watching me, who do you say that Jesus is? The Son of Man is a messianic term. He's asking, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do say, those say in the people are the Messiah? And they throw, start throwing out John the Baptist, the prophets. No, they're not the Messiah. And then he looks at the disciples. Who do you say that I am? That's when Peter stands up and boldly says, you are the Christ the Son of the Most High and living God. This good confession, as we call it, this confession of faith is something that you just don't say at salvation. Yes, it's a key foundation of salvation because to become, to have faith in Jesus, the first believe in who Jesus is, is to believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the Most High and living God, that Jesus is the very Son of God. That's a foundation of our salvation. But it's also something that we need to confess every day. That you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Most High and living God. Jesus pointed out that this has not come from flesh and blood. For flesh and blood would not know about this. But this, came from, this confession comes from Father God upon Peter. And see, we are in that spiritual warfare right there. Because the moment you confess Jesus is Lord, you have a marked target on your back. You are marked. Satan is going, you know what? Satan does not want the world. Do you know why? He already has the world. The Bible says he's prince of this air. He's a roaring lion seeking him whom he can devour. He's the adversary. He's the enemy. Not of the world because the world is friend with him already. But against us. He is our enemy. Christian's enemy, the church's enemy. He hates us. Why? Because we remind him of his doom. As it says in the last chapters of Revelation, that he's going to be thrown in a lake of fire, the second death for all eternity. You know, we remind him of his destruction. So he hates you. He hates me and he's going to do whatever he can to smear your life. He's going to start that smear campaign against you. He hates you. And if Satan is not coming against you in some form or fashion, maybe you're not posing that much of a threat. But your very existence in Jesus Christ is a threat to Satan himself because you remind him of his doom. See, Jesus says that you are the rock, Peter, upon which I'm going to build my church. That's a play in words. Uh, Peter's name in the Greek is Petros. In Hebrew, it's Kapha, uh, Kipha, uh, Kepha. And that word, Petros, is, means rock. So he's upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now I've heard it said by preachers, I believe in rock and roll because Jesus is my rock and I'm on his rolls. Let me tell you something. The church will be unleashed and has been unleashed upon this world. And Satan cannot stop the true church from forming, the true church from growing, the true church from spreading. Satan cannot stop it. The church cannot be stopped. Why? 
because of your sacrifice, your love of Jesus. You're living your life for him. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross daily and follow me. My grandfather went into World War II. He was drafted in 1942. In fact, he, with th over 34 million at the end of the war, he was a part of the Army Air Corps, and he was a medic in the Ninth Air Force. And he was stationed in France, and he was positioned at runways. And what he would do, and his job was, as a medic, he'd drive that ambulance to a crash site, and they'd get out and help pull any survivors out or recover any human remains that were there from those who were deceased. I remember him telling me stories about that long ago war, the mischievous stuff of how he would sneak out and, and do all this funny stuff, but also the tragic stuff, the, the stuff that is indicative of war. And to my grandfather's dying day, some things in that war haunted him still. Still suffered, I believe, from PTSD. Now, my grandfather earned the Silver Star, excuse me, not the Silver Star, the Soldier's Medal. He earned the Soldier's Medal for heroism. The Soldier's Medal was earned to him because one day he went to a crash site where a bomber had crashed coming back, and he and another doctor went to rush to the scene to, to get all the body parts and all that. And as he was pulling out people from the wreckage, 50 cal shells were cooking, out under, cooking off underneath his feet. And for that, he was put in by that doctor for the soldier's medal. My grandfather, I believe, was a hero. And so were many thousands upon thousands, millions of those who served in that great long ago war. But not just that war, all previous wars before and the wars after. All who serve our country are heroes. So are you. You are a hero in Jesus Christ. You are a hero for God's kingdom. The moment you confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and you live your life for that message, you live each and every day, and you're not going to let the devil get a foothold in your life, guess what? You are a hero in God's kingdom. You have victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He bought me, sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. We can sing the song of victory. We have victory in Jesus. Because Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he lives in our lives. And then Jesus gave Peter the keys of the kingdom to unleash the kingdom of God. And so the Son of the living God unleashed it. And, and here it says that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And in the reading in the English, it almost sounds like that we Christians are locked up in some kind of fortress, like singing that hymn, Almighty Fortress is our God. And we're, we're locked up in some fortress and the, Satan's onslaught will not be able to come against us. But that's not the reading in the Greek, my friends. Yeah. Reading in Greek is reversed. It implies that Satan has locked himself up in a gated kingdom. We are, have been unleashed and we are tearing down those gates, getting out all the captives, setting those captives free, that Satan can't withstand our onslaught against us. We are the conquerors. We have conquered Satan, death, hell, and the grave. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us, Jesus Christ. For God loves you and me. He sent us his son, Jesus, to die for 
our sins to be set free. But in that freedom, now we can set others free because we, our chains have been loosed, our chains have been broken off, and we can go grab those captives and set them free. Amen? Jesus has set you and I free. Who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do you say Jesus is? One movie that if depicts war, I think very realistically, especially on Normandy, is Saving Private Ryan. It's based on a true story about the Neelan brothers. See, Ryan had, in the story, Ryan has two brothers who died in combat. He was uh, airborne, so he jumped in behind enemy lines on the invasion of Normandy, June 6, 1944, and he jumped in behind enemy lines and, where he's there fighting. And before he dies, the War Department thinks, uh, we, we have to go get this guy. His brothers die. We don't, we're not going to allow one woman to have three, become uh, three, lose three children. At least there's one left. We have to try to save him. Get him out. So the decision was made, and to give Tom Hanks that duty. After Tom Hanks and his rangers storm the beach, and they, they take the beach, they're given that task to go get Private Ryan. And so, with, against all odds, and in the end, saving a town from German occupation, they sacrifice everything to save this one lone private, Private Ryan. Jesus has done everything to save you, to save you from your sins. He died on the cross of Calvary to save you, to set you free. See, we are in a psychological warfare Satan doesn't want you to have acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. The world makes think, well, Jesus, hmm, Jesus may be some space alien, maybe he's some meta-human with superpowers, or it belongs to like on a superhero show, or maybe Jesus is, you know, something else. He may be a good rabbi, good teacher, but he's not the Son of God. But by your faith in Jesus, and yet you believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, you have destroyed those lies, destroyed that psychological warfare, and set, have been set free, and you can set others free by that truth. I'm going to close in just a moment. But in that closing, I want to point out something. There was a man back in the 19th century. His name was Walter Scott. Not to be confused with the poet Walt, Sir Walter Scott, but Walter Scott was a theologian. Born in Scotland and came to America as a young child. And he thought up this five-finger exercise. The five-finger exercise for salvation. That salvation in the book of Acts, because that's where every case you see somebody saved, that, that, those cases are there. And the explanation is simple as to a child, he thought. First of all, hear the gospel. Secondly, believe in the gospel message. Thirdly, acknowledge that you have sin and that you repent of all your sin. Fourthly, confess Jesus, this good confession that Peter made, that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and lastly, be water baptized by immersion. That's what he said was the five-finger exercise to learn how to get saved and to teach that to other people to be saved. Let me tell you something. That confession is a central part because you, by belief, you know, even the Bible says even demon believes and they tremble. But you have to confess. You have to confess that Jesus is the Christ to all people, that you belong to Jesus. It's not just because you have a bumper sticker on your car or you're wearing a Christian T-shirt or you have a cross around your neck. It doesn't matter what you wear. 
or what you do, but it's your confession. That's the key. Your confession that you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the God. And it goes against the grain of the world. It goes against what Satan is trying to do in this world. It goes against everything. Because you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the most high, Son of the Most High and Living God. So let me ask you today, who do you say the Son of Man is? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you touch each and every person in a powerful way, that if they have not come to faith in you, that they will do so, that they will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They'll make that great confession and acknowledgement that they are a sinner in need of salvation, in need of your grace, in need of your righteousness, in need of your justification, in need of a cleansing. So Lord, I pray that each and every person We'll make that good confession of faith that we believe that Jesus Christ is Son of the living God. Not just a one-time thing at salvation, but an ongoing daily confession that we believe that Jesus is the Christ and that there is no other. There is no other Messiah and there will be no other Messiah that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we believe it. We accept it. And we want to live our lives by it each and every day. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray and declare, amen. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he'll do anything for you. So much so, he went to the cross of Calvary to die for your sin. Everything you've thought, everything that you've done, everything you've acted upon, everything, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, murder, adultery, covetousness, all the sins. Jesus died for them, for you to be free from them so that all those sins are nailed to the old rugged cross. Accept Jesus today. Thank you very much for watching us here at Walter Reed. And I pray that God's grace and mercy be upon you this week. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day holiday, and I pray that you will be able to spend it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. And if you're not nearby, you know, Facebook them, you know, text them, instant message them, whatever means that you do to be able to share that love with one another. And then one glorious day coming soon, all of us will be able to break free of the mask and be able to roam around just like before. And hopefully that day will come soon. But if not, there is a glorious place waiting for all of us where everything is broken free and we're set free from all the bonds of this earth and we can gloriously go around that city free from all masks and all binds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for watching us. I pray God's blessings be upon you. Amen.